Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a feminist, but when I imagine myself smashing the patriarchy, I'm dressed in a skin-tight jumpsuit like Mrs. Peel in The Avengers. <laughs> and I have her figure, 1960s Diana Rigg. Nice. Boom. Nice, nice. Smashing the patriarchy in the face. I don't know that that's unfeminist. It's not unfeminist, but it's not like... I don't. I, hear you. I feel like I shouldn't really be it's designing a costume. It's not practicality first. Sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Okay, um, I... I, I I'll allow it. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I cannot say that phrase without thinking about how much I like feminist spots. I'm not even sorry. (laughs) No, should you be? Thank you. I'm a feminist, but the other day I stumbled across a deleted selfie folder on my phone and screamed. Sometimes it just takes a really, like, like it's, you're not ready. It's like you've opened the phone and it takes a picture of your chin. Yeah. Like, and you, you find all these bad twin, evil twin pictures in your deleted 
Like the one you put on Facebook is perfect, and then you accidentally stumble across deleted pictures, or you're looking for a picture you deleted. There's all these twin, evil twin pictures. I absolutely hate photos where I look like myself. I totally oh. understand. I totally No understand. interest in them at all. No, thank you. No. No, thanks. I totally don't know what I look like. I, I don't want to know. I look like my best ever pictures in my head. Yep. And I manage how I look in the mirror. Mirror management, Same. I call it. Yeah. Yeah. Can I don't we... know what you see, but it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it's not accurate. What reasonable. you're seeing now, not accurate. Everyone's busy. Look, we're busy having the dilemma, which is if we endorse the patriarchal norm that we have to have our hair and makeup done to go outside and feel good, that is obviously unfeminist, but at the same time, sometimes you want to look cute. So, no, but the thing is, it's a tricky one. Sometimes, if you're a comedian, you have to give awards at things, you know. Yeah, but you could do that with your, like, real face. It's just like, who wants to? Do you know what I mean? Who wants to? I don't want to. I want I to dress want to up. Either. I like it. But do you know what? I think there's also a lot of aggression against femme gender expression. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's not proper feminist. But why? It's just femme gender expression. I think that we can definitely sell that. So let's go with it. <laughs> you do one. Great. Um, I'm a feminist. But I do still think that the knife is the daddy, the fork is the mommy, and the spoon is the baby they had in wedlock. <laughs> How You're a you feminist in a lesbian relationship. Surely your chopsticks. Two forks. <laughs> Ew. I saw it chopsticks on are the boys. Ew. No, I saw it on Facebook. There was a cute little cartoon. <laughs> no, I saw it on Facebook. This is what lesbians do. Oh, okay, Deborah. No. <laughs> I saw it's a little cartoon of two chopsticks and a knife and a fork saying which one of you is the fork and the chopsticks are like neither of us that's the point oh nice woke chopsticks fair enough okay <laughs> I'll take it I'm a feminist but the other day a cold caller wanting to change our internet plan asked me some questions and to get off the phone I said I'm afraid my husband pays all the bills and then I gave him Tom's mobile number <laughs> He does, though. Cause, not because we have a patriarchal relationship, because I find it boring. It's so boring. It's so boring. So if someone boring. likes doing that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a feminist, but I am in a relationship with a woman. And to be fair, she is like, mag, 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 all day long. <laughs> wow. Wow. Do you know why I did that? Because... It just feel like 90s, 70s to 1990s male comics got to do all of the wives and yeah, mother-in-law jokes. And I, I wanted to go. It. I just wanted to try it. It didn't feel comfortable. I, I would love it if you came out and did a whole Take My Wife Please set. Yeah. <laughs> take my mother-in-law, just please. take her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I'm, if anything, I'm the nag. It's a nightmare. I mean, obviously women are allowed to have opinions, but I have a lot of them, so. <laughs> I can see why my you... girlfriend might be tired. <laughs> you and I are in a spiral of I'm a feminist, but you'll never I'm come so out. Sorry. Awareness. We should probably move on. Live from King's Place in London, the Spotted Edge Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Catherine Bohart, and very special guest, Corey Shaw, Jamie Windrest, and Natasha Devon, talking about awareness. 
This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Just give us a cheer if you feel like an aware feminist. Give us a cheer if you feel like you could be aware, that you think there are things I should be aware of and I'm not aware of them yet. Okay, tonight you are going to leave here so much more aware so than you can. Aware. I genuinely do mean that. Yeah, you'll be positively alert by the time you're out. <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to be... Do you know what it is? I think part of feminism, like there's that bit you have to get through where you have to become incredibly aware of that which you are not aware of, mm. which is just tiresome, isn't it? <laughs> Finding out oh, come things. Come on, I want to be good. Isn't that enough? And you're like... Probably not. It's very yeah. annoying. Yeah, but there's all sorts of things you think, find out about a pocket of something you didn't even know about. Yeah. It's the unconscious incompetence. It's also my complete discontent of being um, put out in any way. So, like, mm. I increasingly have to become aware of things that mean I have to do something, and then I'm like, oh, for goodness sake. Wasn't it better when I just didn't know? I mean, it wasn't, obviously, but I'm, no, no. at the same time, the to-do list is getting pretty out of control. It's definitely better experientially if you don't know about things that you oh, have yeah. to be aware of and do things, but then when you know about them, you can't unknow them again. No. And then, of course, you think, no, of course, it's better to know that plastic straws are bad for the ocean. Yeah. I mean, they are lovely in a vodka soda. <laughs> yeah. And did you read that thing about how figs have bees in them? What? No, yeah. don't tell me. Don't okay. tell me. I don't want to be aware of this. <laughs> Figs have bees. I mean, it's not the same as you should probably not use straws, but I read, I'll be honest, the headline of an article <laughs> that suggested all figs have bees in them, and now the world is a worse place. So This is the thing. And there's so many things to keep track of, and sometimes they're conflicting. Does anyone else feel this? Yeah. I feel like the other day I was talking to someone about veganism, and they were saying, well, you know, quinoa is the worst thing for the planet. And it people who Only when you say it, it like that, Deborah. <laughs> what? Quinoa. <laughs> that does yes. sound like the worst thing for the planet. <laughs> yes, quinoa. They were saying the way that the people who grow it are treated and how bad it is for the environment. And they were telling me that to milk an almond is not... Good practice. practice. It's, not, <laughs> it's not an effective use of energy. And they were like... The thing is, you think just be vegan and you've done so much for the planet and they were explaining to me that it's more complicated than that. They weren't saying don't be vegan. They were saying you have to be an ethical vegan that is also cares about the planet and then there's like four things you can eat and three of them are string. <laughs> and I don't like string. Do you know what I mean? It's, I'm, but also, it just doesn't go with everything. Do you know what I mean? I mean... And sometimes they have a dinner party. But I, I'm a vegan-ish... Uh, and as in, I'm probably vegan 90% of the time. I have my 80%, 80%. Do 80% yeah. of the right things 80% of the yeah. time. Okay, that takes it down to a lower percentage than it sounds. Sure, 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 sure. It's still it it's sure... better for the world. Well, that's the thing. That's what frustrates me is, like, when I was a vegetarian... Well, when I was a meat eater, people was like, you need to be a vegetarian. I read some stuff. They were right. Ugh. Then I was like, okay, I'll be a vegetarian. Then vegans were like, well, if you're going to do it, why wouldn't you do it properly? And I was like, Ugh, I mean, I do want to be smug about this, so fine. <laughs> Now I'm a vegan most of the time, and people are still like... They're I mean, saying you should be a vegan all of the time. And like, also a better vegan. And it's like, oh, dudes, come on. Like, we're t if everyone was a vegan most of the time, it would definitely be better than... Oh, it would be so much better like, for the planet. And also better for animals. Yeah. I saw the funniest thing, though, on Twitter. Go on. 
somebody had written a story about how they had seen a little child crying because she couldn't afford an ice cream and the ice cream fan was there spraying green sleeves and all the other kids had an ice cream. She, She said, I just gave the kids some money to buy some ice cream and now she's happy and she's got ice cream all over her face and I just feel good about myself and she was saying like we should all do something kind today or something like that. And somebody wrote, if that ice cream wasn't vegan, you may have made a human child happy but you've made a cow child very sad. <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing and slightly mocking, but... But the lady who bought the ice cream was a was vegan. Was vegan. And was like, could we mapes chill for yep. five minutes? Well, she said, I'm a vegan, my boyfriend's a vegan, my mother's a vegan, I just saw a child crying. And he started saying, you're not a vegan. He said, if you gave a child money... She said, I didn't buy the ice cream. He said, you gave a child money, knowing it would buy dairy. You are not a vegan, because a vegan has an ethical stance. You have a plant-based diet, and that is not a vegan. And she said, you're just a lady trying to make the world better, so I hope you're happy with yourself. He said, you're plant-based. And she said, you're plant-based. Because you're not being compassionate to me right now, and vegans are meant to be compassionate. And he started going, you're plant-based. Well, you're plant-based. You're plant-based. And I realized in vegan world, plant-based is a slur. Because it's like, you're plant-based. You're not even proper vegan. You just eat plants. And that's not the same. You don't care about cows. I was like, wow, this is fascinating. And I somehow at some point quote tweeted a thread and went, this is amazing. And then somebody said, I'm so happy to see that you're supporting her. And I was like, oh, I didn't really mean to support anyone. I was just like fascinated buy it but then I mean, people were like have you heard her. about I that did. plant-based lady who does the guilty feminist oh my god i'm so plant-based. so basic i'm not even plant-based <laughs> i'm not even plant-based i try and be pescatarian light on dairy that is all i have for you <laughs> i i don't know how to give up fish i don't know how i can't i try and quit fish but it won't quit me <laughs> i occasionally Same, but it's and, a lesbian thing so don't worry about it <laughs> And at the, oh, come on. <laughs> at the wedding I went to on the weekend, there was vegetarian food eventually, but at the top, the caterers were bringing out all the meat stuff and the vegetarians, I think some of them was like, oh, I wonder if there's gonna, anything going to come out for us. Yeah. And they'll bring out cauliflower, but the vegetarians were like, we want this to hoard this for ourselves. The meat eaters are all having the cauliflower. Yeah. Get off our cauliflower. <laughs> Get off my cauliflower, man. Get off my yeah. cauliflower. To be fair, I do do that at social gatherings when I'm concerned there won't be enough food, never mm. mind vegetarian food. I am absolutely... Yeah, you I'm hoard like, a bit of the vegans. Yeah. So I broke. And you I, broke your 80%, 80% of the time. <laughs> Sometimes fish, I rest my case. Case? Yeah. No, listen, it has to be done. That's too I'm limiting. Gonna, I'm going to be... <laughs> If it's too limiting, it's fair. That's fair. I broke. I broke. I had, for the first time in a very, very, very long time, I had a burger. <sighs> now, so normally good? now, if I try and eat meat, I can't do it. Was I'm like, it oh, so I really good? don't enjoy this. It was the greatest thing I've ever eaten. <laughs> That's I the just... worst thing is I'm still a veg- I, So I, was, I went veggie seven years ago. And I, I mean, I always loved the taste of meat. Uh, there's no way to say that without feeling like, bah! Um... <laughs> Just saying, but I, I do. I still think I, that. Looks I really great. do not enjoy meat anymore. But occasionally, I think. And the thing is, probably too much information. But I came on today, and I think I was Congratulations. low. Congratulations. I was low in iron. Yeah, that's and I such think a good excuse. I was low in iron, and I just don't know what came over me. I had the burger, and I just was like, "This is delicious." 
and I'm sorry to all vegans and vegetarians no, but and cows. But, but, but like, we don't, we, like, it tastes good. And look, I would not eat but it, it, but... It normally doesn't to me anymore. It normally doesn't, but I just okay, have Okay, I think it would to me, but I'm like, I, I wouldn't eat it, but at the same time, when they make that stuff in labs, I'm going to be first Hook in the queue. Up. Yes. yes, please. I hear that. I can so see some judgmental faces. <laughs> you're like, okay. We should do a whole episode on veganism. Are you, if you're a vegan, you can come and be on it. Okay. That was like Deborah throwing down the gauntlet. If you're going to be a proper vegan, then maybe you I can mean, be on it. <laughs> Are you right, plant-based? <laughs> Sounds like you're plant-based. Sounds like I'm plant-based. I just didn't know. <laughs> Fine. Hello, Guilty Feminist. Briefly interrupting your podcast listening to let you know that on Saturday, the 10th of August at 7.15pm, you can see the Guilty Feminist live at the South Bank. Go to underbellyfestival.com for tickets. Abigail Shimon and I are co-hosting the podcast recording there with some very special and exciting guests. Don't miss it. On the 14th of August, which is a Wednesday, I am live in conversation with May Martin. And we're talking about sexuality, May's new book, May's new Netflix series. We're both going to be signing our books afterwards so you can come up and meet us and say hi. I really can't think of any downsides to coming. Go to nationaltheatre.org.uk for a ticket because it's at the National Theatre again in London on the South Bank. Now, if you are up at the Edinburgh Fringe, I will be back up on the Saturday 24th of August. The Guilty Feminist and Amnesty International are getting together to revive the legendary comedy brand of The Secret Policeman in a series of live shows across the UK called The Secret Policeman's Tour. We will be at the Edinburgh Playhouse on the 24th. The cast includes me hosting, Rachel Paris, Nish Kumar, Phoebe Robinson from Two Dope Queens, Sindhu V, Desiree Birch, Holly McNish, Rosie Jones, Steve Alley, and from Derry Girls, Siobhan McSweeney, Saoirse Monica Jackson, and Nicola Coughlin together in an exciting sketch. And we have music from Jess Robinson and Grace Petrie. It's going to be an exceptional event. Go to atgtickets.com for tickets or find the link on the Guilty Feminist website. Don't miss it. It's going to be Night of Nights at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. And we're also going to be collectively doing something wonderful together for human rights on the evening. Please come along. Now we are announcing our exciting new Guilty Feminist podcast crossover season. That's right, we're mashing up our podcast with some of your favourites. So instead of no such thing as efficient, the Guilty Feminist, it's going to be no such thing as a Guilty Feminist. We're also going to be joining up with Jessica Foster Q for hoovering in The Hungry Feminist, All Killer No Feminism, Rilehistopogfer, which is uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast mixed with The Guilty Feminist, and The Feminist Bugle. This amazing festival is going to be from Friday the 30th of August to Sunday the 1st of September, all at King's Place. Get tickets now because some of these shows are already sold out. It's kingsplace.co.uk for tickets. We recently featured Guilty Feminist favourite Ashling B on the podcast talking about her new sitcom This Way Up in the Loneliness episode. Now, Ashling has written the sitcom and she also stars in it alongside the amazing Sharon Horgan. Ashling plays an English as a foreign language teacher, putting her life back together after a, quote, teeny little nervous breakdown. You can watch This Way Up on Channel 4 this Thursday at 10pm. Remember to tune in because it really does matter. And if you don't get a chance to watch it, then watch it on all four, where you can also see Game Face by the brilliant Roisin Connerty. 
And finally, my book is now out in paperback. It includes two new interviews with Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Hannah Gadsby. And you can get that at all good bookshops or online, as well as the ebook and the audiobook. Now back to the podcast. Would you like to hear some stand-up comedy? Yeah, please welcome to the stage the wonderful Catherine Bohart. Hello. My New Year's resolution is to hate men uh, less. <laughs> hear me out. Um, my girlfriend and I had fallen into this trap where we kept saying this sentence weekly, or sometimes daily, and it was really frustrating because we don't like to be stereotypes. Like, that's why I'm wearing this skirt and she avoids golf. Like, we... <laughs> We don't want to be lazy. Like, I want to be like, I want at least people to be like, maybe. Um, and, uh, and we try not to, but we were getting into a stereotype where we kept saying this on a regular basis, which was, God, I hate men. <laughs> which is not okay. And I mean, to be fair to us, it was only because we'd been outside and met some, but... Um, <laughs> Like, read the news based purely on fact, but we were, we were saying it too much. We were saying it too much, and we didn't want to say it that much, because here's the thing. I know men. I like some of them. We've been related to a lot of them. Uh, I loved, even, some of them have loved. I've been in love with many of them. I like men, and I know that in my heart, but then I uh, speak to them, and um, I just have to be reminded. And so we did this thing where we were like, you know Arya Stark from Game of Thrones, the way she has her list of enemies? Yes? Okay. We were like, we need a list of men that we trust. Right? So we started this list. Now, here's the thing. If you make a list of men that you trust and tell any man that you have that list, what will their first question be? <laughs> exactly. Reliably self-centered. Yes. Um, it's, am I on the list? Am I on the list? And here's the thing. Based on everything we know from the media over the last two years, we know that if they ask that question, maybe they know something that you don't. And so you have to immediately take them off the list, which means we started with 200 and now there's 11. And, um, and I said this to my friend, my male friend, that we have this list. And he said, Catherine, that's terrible. That's absolutely awful. Like, you can't, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. That's awful. You're basically profiling men. You can't do that. That's like having a list of black people. No, no, it's, it's not, it's actually, it's actually more like a black person having a list of white people they trust, and I'm completely fine with that, <laughs> completely fine, I'm totally okay with this. The last thing I'm doing for this new year, <laughs> I'm trying to go to the gym uh, because uh, you're supposed to, uh, because I'm at that stage where people have stopped drinking and started having hobbies again. It's a weird life cycle, isn't it? In school, you have hobbies so you can get into university. Then you get to university and people are like, ew, hobbies, we drink. And you're like, great. And then uh, you get to your 30s and people are like, we're not drinking anymore. We all have hobbies again. And you're like, fuck, I don't have any hobbies. (sighs) (sighs) I don't know what to do. I'm not drinking and I'm starting to go to the gym and I hate the gym because my uh, self-esteem is already fine and um, (laughs) and so I was like I don't know what to do there and uh, it's like going to AA when you're a mild drinker you're like I don't know if I have demons to exercise but that's fine Um, (laughs) but I'm there and I go to a spin class have we been to a spin class? Yes, where you probably have a bike at home but nonetheless you're paying to cycle nowhere with other people Um, (laughs) 
inexplicable. And I go to this class, except it's not a spin class, apparently, because that's uh, very 2017. It's uh, a one rebel class, which means that they don't spin and they don't cycle. This particular group of people ride. <laughs> they ride, which as an Irish woman, I was like, I mean, they're all very fit and sexy. Let's ride. But that's not what they meant. And... Um, so I go to this class and there's an Insta board outside. I don't know if you know what an Insta board is. If you don't, that's all right. They will put supportive phrases, encouraging phrases outside this gym class that you then take pictures of for Instagram. You have to take pictures, I think, because that's the only way white women can get the spirit of the thing. It's kind of like a Native American. And um, you take the picture of the Insta board. It'll say things like, uh, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels or why don't you just kill yourself? And... Um, <laughs> Yay, the gin. And you go. <laughs> and I go into this class in uh, Bayswater, first sign that I was not supposed to be there. And I go in and we start to ride and this woman shouts at me the whole time and she keeps referring to us as rebels. Rebels, rebels, rebels. Now she is playing very inappropriate rap music to 20 white ladies. So maybe we're rebelling against PC culture. I don't know. And, um, and she's shouting and she's shouting. And at the end she goes, now I just want you all to take a moment. Just take a moment during this last song, to really have a think about why you're here. <laughs> and really, really think about who your heroes are. Now, there were not many people in this class, right? So I was like, oh my God, what if she asks me? <laughs> so I'm panicking for two minutes. I'm like, I probably should pick a woman. I guess I should pick an Irish person. I mean, I am in England. I don't, what am I gonna say? I don't even know what to say to her. I can, like, I can't. Could I think before I started writing? Oh, God, I can't, why can't I think of anything? I couldn't think at all. And she was, I knew she was going to ask because she hated me and I her. And I thought, this is terrible. I've got to... And it, the lights were really dim so you can't see everyone's self-loathing. So I was panicking in the dark. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say to her. And then she said, it's you. <laughs> For coming to this spin class. Uh, so she doesn't know what rebels mean and she doesn't know what heroes mean and I hate it there and, um, and uh, but it's alright because I found a new gym uh, exercise that I think I'm slightly more into which is uh, Pilates Pilat Pilates yes big fans the group near me uh, don't look like you because they are uh, octogenarians the vibe was old like it was super old which meant that the exercise was mild and you could sleep and no one noticed so I was into it but um <laughs> They did assume you were dead, but it was fine. And um, they were very old, and so old were the group of people who do Pilates near me, and the reason I enjoyed them so much is that they just completely owned it. They were like, we're not, you like, athletes, that's fine. At the end, the woman who ran the class said this. She said, now, just before we go, a couple of announcements. Like it was mass. Like, she was just like, so a couple of announcements. Her first announcement was this. In Wilson Green Sports Centre, she said, I just wanted to tell everyone that I've accidentally deleted Microsoft Word <laughs> from my computer. I don't know how to get it back on. <laughs> Just thought I'd see if anyone knew how. <laughs> Three men who definitely didn't know how were going to her house that evening, I don't know why. <laughs> and another woman then said, well, if we're doing announcements, <laughs> we're not doing, if we're doing announcements, I was wondering if anyone has a cat with kidney failure. 
because my cat has just died and I can't give the medicine away. And that's the kind of class and community vibe I can get behind. Uh, folks, you've been absolutely lovely. I'm going to give you over to the wonderful Daryl Francis Wayne. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Our guests today are a disability activist, the editor-in-chief of Fruitcake Magazine, and a writer, speaker, and mental health awareness campaigner. Please welcome Corey Shaw, Jamie Windust, and Natasha Devon. <laughs> Corey, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, my name's Corey Shaw. I'm a comedy producer, but for about the last three weeks, I've been better known as a disabled shouting person. Excellent. Very good. And your campaign is called Look Up? It is, yeah. I've started a campaign to try and encourage people to look up on public transport, so I'm currently chatting nicely with uh, TFL and State Can to try and have announcements put onto the tube to say, look up, does someone need your seat at every station? I mean, it's just what Londoners want. (laughs) Uh, We... If you are listening regionally and you're not a regular visitor to London or you're listening internationally, Londoners love nothing more than looking up and making eye contact on public <laughs> transport, engaging in the chat. Would you like my seat? We love, oh, we love it. We love a chat. I should point out, I do live in London, so I also don't want to talk to anyone. So ideally, they just stand up and give me the seat without engaging yes. at all. Lovely. So please, maybe the announcement could say something like, please look up. If somebody needs your seat, give them a slight head nod. <laughs> To the left. A head bob to the left. Do you want my seat? Head bob to the right. Yes, I do. (laughs) Head bob to the left. No, you have... You're you're fine. Stay where you are. I don't want your seat. Great. Thank you very much. I'll go back to my phone. Some system like that. Yeah, I think so. If we can get that down to the two-second announcement, we'll... Great. Okay. I will work on that. I will work on that. Uh, Natasha Devon, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm a mental health campaigner. I go into schools, colleges and universities all over the UK, working with predominantly 14 to 18-year-olds. And um, Piers Morgan once called me everything that's wrong with modern Britain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we love you. I mean, if you're everything Piers Morgan hates, you have come to the right podcast. (laughs) That was one of our workshop names for this show. Guilty Feminist or Everything That Piers Morgan Hates. <laughs> Jamie. Hello there. So I'm Jamie. I'm non-binary. I am the editor-in-chief, which is a gorgeously arrogant title <laughs> I like to adorn, um, of Fruitcake Magazine, which is an LGBT plus queer publication for and by queer people, which is something that I'd love to create because... I, again, speaking of arrogance, I arrogantly put myself on the first cover. <laughs> um, Did you put yourself on the front cover of the first episode? 
Oh, the first edition, sorry. Correct, and I, did, I also made merchandise of my face. <laughs> because Oprah I was like... It. Go, fine. Jamie. I was yeah. like, if people are going to take the piss out of me on the streets, I might as well make money out of it. <laughs> yes. So they can buy my shit. And then, I, you know, who's laughing now? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I go by they, them pronouns, which um, is something that I'm sure we'll get into at some mm. point during Yes, absolutely. This. So you prefer the pronoun they... Correct, yes. Um, which is something we've all got to get used to. I have a non-binary friend, uh, Rubes Walsh, who's been on the show before, but th- they are okay with she. And so I call Rubes she, and she says, I'd rather people say she because that's more accurate than... She's more accurate than he, they's the most accurate. But she said just so that, you know, while people are learning it. But I think I might transition into calling Rubes they so I can get used to it. Yeah with somebody who doesn't mind a she. Absolutely. Um, But I might start, because it is awkward at first. You go, I don't know how to do this. But like anything, it's awkward for a bit, and then it stops being awkward, and we all get used to it. Absolutely. It's um, something that is language, and language changes, and it's something that has been used for, you know, decades, where people just have to kind of manipulate their language and their lifestyle to kind of go along with it. And um, I had a, a, you know, a funny situation... I'm from a small town in Dorset, and... Um, oh, hi. <laughs> um, and I had a piece of press in the local news, and um, I'm obviously close to my parents, but I kind of have that separation where I find it difficult to speak to them about something, so pronouns is one of those things. And they read the piece, and they were like, Jamie, I don't know if you know, but like, they didn't use he in any of it. And I was like, yeah, I know, Dad. Um, and he was like, it was hilarious. They were talking about you as if you were Madonna. <laughs> they were like, they, they, they. And then I was like, oh, this is a great time to broach the subject. And I think comedy is a great way to kind of broach, you know, hard-hitting things. So I'm glad to be able to talk about it here in a kind of funny way, because it doesn't need to be heavy. That's the thing. It's like, you have to think about it for two seconds. But is it that hard? I mean, like... We don't call women loads of things we used to call them. We don't call loads of groups names we used to call them. Is it that hard if someone goes, hey, I just prefer they, them? Also, provided your intent is good, most non-binary people, most people, if you make mistakes, are able to go, I recognise that you were not endeavouring to hurt me. Absolutely. Next. Like, let's move on. Yeah, just don't call me a clown. Because I get it quite a lot, and people mistake it for it, balloon. Because I have white makeup and wear a lot of blush because I fucking can. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Um, And I've had a lot of it's because they think it's another version of they. And then they're like, oh, it's funny because you look like the clown. And I'm like, that's great. (laughs) If you're listening at home, Jamie has just lifted their middle finger. Correct. Thank you. See, this is what frustrates me, is that like so many characters like Piers Morgan characterise the sort of reaction of non-binary people as inflammatory or as like overly sensitive to mistakes such that we are all, like everyone else should be fearful of getting it wrong. Like there's a difference between saying she or he accidentally and saying it or you're a clown. Like can we accept that that's like quite a distinct... Yes. Like it wasn't like, oops. There's <laughs> like, mis- no, you're, you're a dick. Yeah. Like what's wrong with you? There's misgendering and there's not accepting that person is of your species. Yeah. And sort of, that's, those are different <laughs> things because misgendering is an accident. 
accidental. We're used to saying he or she. So it slips out and we go, oh, sorry. But we've just got to talk about it. That's the only way to do it. Now, Natasha, you wrote a book called The Beginner's Guide to Being Mental. I did. <laughs> yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Because I want to talk about the language of this in the same way I want to talk with Jamie about pronouns and awareness there. The first thing I should say is that I have a mental illness myself. I have something called panic disorder, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's very easy for me to have a panic attack. The defining characteristic of it is I have a little lump that lives in my throat that I call Nigel. Um, It's named after Farage. For a multitude of reasons, but the most pertinent is probably just when you think it's gone for good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You again. Keeps coming back. Keeps coming through, though, because he does keep leaving. Yeah, and constantly demands alcohol, but only makes it worse. (laughs) Thrives on irrational scaremongering. The the parallels are endless. (laughs) um, Did your lump cause Brexit? Not to my knowledge, no. I wanted to look at language around mental health because I did English at university. English was my favourite subject at school. And everyone from my primary school teacher right up to my university lecturer, they all used to say to me, you're so lucky to be studying English because English has more words than any other dialect. And whilst that's technically true, when you sit down and look at how those words are apportioned, we have the least amount of words spoken in the developed world for feelings and emotions. Wow. Yeah, because we're British. <laughs> and uh, so traditionally, we haven't really had feelings and emotions. So there are, there, are other, um, <laughs> there are other languages that just do it so much better. Like German, they've got 15 different words for 15 types of anger. And in Greek, they've got four different words for four different types of love, mm. which makes much more sense. And then I found this, this word uh, in Korean, the literal translation of which was, yes, I did lie to you, but given the context in which I told the lie, you should have known I was lying. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think we should adopt that one. Right. And Can we get one of those? I just went, English is a really inadequate tool. And this is why people are having conversations at cross-purposes. People misuse clinical terms. They go, I just had a total panic attack, or I feel really depressed today. And my sense is that they're not trying to diminish mental illness. I think the word for how they're feeling doesn't exist, and they're grasping for the nearest thing. So the upshot of all of that is we're having these conversations about mental health at cross-purposes, because no one knows how each other are using the words that they're using. Or how anyone else is feeling. Exactly. So we had an episode with Carly Findlay, who is a disability activist and campaigner, and she talked to us about the language that we were using, and she told us not to use words like, the traffic is crazy, or the, you know, that's insane, like, you know, because you've heard a rule you don't like in a theatre or something like that. And I said, what words can I use? And she said, bananas, and I said... I'm not a member of the Partridge family. <laughs> and so she brought out a thesaurus. Your words were amazing. They were like words like frenetic. And I was thinking, God, I'm going to be using these really sophisticated words the whole time. And then someone taught me wild. That was wild. And I thought, oh, that's good. And I've started using it more. But here's the thing, Natasha, and I want to run this by you, because the thing is, I feel I'm crazy enough mm. to own the word crazy. Mm. I don't feel I'm crazy enough to own the word mental. Okay. Well, That's I mean, where I feel I am. And I yeah. genuinely do feel that. I feel like I am a bit crazy. I don't have a mental illness. So I think Catherine, mm. who has OCD, is allowed to use the word mental, and I'm not. But I think crazy, sometimes, that's how I feel. And do we not all have to decide what we're going to own? I also think mm. crazy has positive connotations. Like, yeah. sometimes we go, that party was crazy, and it's positive, or crazy little thing called love. or mm. Crazy is often 
attached to the word love now. And I don't know, what are we going to do? Get rid of songs like Crazy for... You sound you know, a little bit like Piers Morgan now. Do you, <laughs> what, what next? Wow. Are we going to get rid of all the... No, I don't... Mean, I don't... I don't... No, I don't but mean I, to sound... I don't know any positive uses of the word mental in the same way that I do with crazy. I have positive yeah. associations with it. But also, I feel like all of us have mental health issues now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, I actually, I disagree with what Carly said in that I would rather the word crazy was used to describe crazy weather or a crazy party because crazy sort of, it suggests out of control. Um, it suggests something that you can't manage. And, you know, when it comes to my mental illness, I always say to people, it's not really radically different from having diabetes. You know, I have to be aware of my triggers. I have to take steps to manage it. I have to take medication. I have to incorporate lifestyle changes. But it doesn't impact my behavior. It doesn't define who I am. Crazy is, uh, you know, when something's kind of ping-ponging. You know, it's, it's frenetic. It's, there's definite yeah. visuals there, isn't there? And so I think it probably is appropriate to apply it to people who don't have mental illnesses. And that's the one time I wouldn't use it. Do you see what I mean? Right, yes, yes, yes. But, you know, Carly has her school of thinking and you have yours and neither of those are right or wrong. Yeah. I think we need to just be having the conversation and deciding where we're going to go with this. How do you feel about the word disabled, Corrie? I've actually been learning quite a lot. For a long time, I refused to identify as disabled. I was embarrassed and ashamed of my body not being normal. And it took me a really long time to accept the fact that that's what I was. When I started this campaign, I'm quite a private person. I'm not normally on this side of the spotlight. And I took to Twitter to launch the campaign and learned really, really quickly that my language is outdated because <laughs> the yeah. last sort of sensitivity training or inclusivity training that I had was back in the 90s. So in my head, I was using the correct language, using able-bodied or people with disabilities. And luckily, a lot of charities came on board with the campaign very quickly and very kindly and nicely without any suggestion that I was doing anything bad or wrong, said, here's the language that we're using now. This is the document. This is the policy that has been written by disabled people for the government, basically, mm. to teach them the words that they are. So I'm disabled if you're lucky enough to be not disabled yet, then you are non-disabled. But I think, I can't remember which comedian it was, but someone said there are disabled people and there are those that aren't disabled yet. But also, Rosie Jones uses able-bodied, but some people don't like able-bodied because they say the disability is with the structure of the world in a bit of a way that if I'm comparing myself to a bird, mm. I can't fly, but the world doesn't expect me to fly, so therefore I'm not disabled but if you can't walk upstairs you're disabled but that's not because that's not your disability so your disability you're is disabled coming up against but, your, but your impairment is that you can't use stairs so there's a medical model of disability which is the outdated model which is the disability is your problem it's your thing it's a reason why you can't do things and then the newer model that's being used now is the social model of disability where it's society that is causing you problems because of impairments that you have. So it's not down to you to fix things. It's not your problem. It's society needs to adapt to help you live a normal life with impairments. It's becoming more and more uh, obvious to people and more and more people are becoming aware that not every 
impairment is visible. So, for example, my campaign for travel, there's people that don't have physical impairments but that have mental health issues or a whole load of other invisible impairments which make it hard for them to travel. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's because they've got a wonky leg or a bad back or... Menstruation, Catherine. Menstruation. (laughs) Just thinking, could we get red badges? (laughs) I'm on my period. Please let me sit sit down. down. To be honest with you, it's more than a badge. I want to be able to get on a tube and shout loudly. (laughs) (laughs) I want it to be okay for me to go, I'm bleeding. (laughs) Get up. I'm hemorrhaging. I will I don't want to talk about you. it. Yeah. I will free bleed on you yeah. unless you get out of my way. Can, it's the worst. It's standing there with period pain. It's so bad. But nothing I can tell you. To I can beans. tell you though that if you do that on a tube, if you stand on a tube and have a breakdown with a bunch of people that have already refused to give you a seat, and you cry and you scream, I'm in pain. I need to sit down. This is what happens, and you might need to do an audio description. People just look away. They look away. They don't react. If you're at the point where you're having that breakdown, where you've already asked, please, can I sit? And a lot of people can't ask. And one of my joyful mental health illnesses is anxiety. And I do have panic attacks. And there are times where I can ask because I feel brave enough that day. But every single time I'm refused or insulted or abused... Do people no. insult you and abuse you? Yeah, not often. So I'm not saying every time I travel, I'm having trouble getting a seat because I think for the most part, people are kind. And I think for the most part, people just aren't looking up to see me. But it has happened. You know, some of it's quite inventive. Are we allowed to swear on this show? Uh, we, I we, really hope I'm, so. We are. <laughs> I'm afraid we broadcast on Her Majesty's internet <laughs> and there is no swearing there. Um, no, yes, yeah, very much so. So the worst one that I've had as a disabled lady was a group of lads shouting that I was a waste of a good cunt. Oh, my. So, that yeah. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah. How do they even know it's good yet? Oh. <laughs> do you know, look at the rest of me. You're right. The signs yeah. are all there. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I'm just... Oh, <laughs> Remember Bohan where you a stand-up <laughs> comedian, and we are trained to go for the joke. I'm um, sorry. I am. You know, it releases tension, as Hannah Gadsby says in the it's net. True. Um, yeah. How do you feel about this kind of language, Catherine? Because you're somebody who's been diagnosed with OCD. You've been hospitalised. It's a condition you have to live with and manage. Am I allowed to use the word crazy? I, so, first of all, I don't speak as the spokesperson for mentally I ill. I need you but to. But now that I have been given the position, I welcome the power and I would be not thrilled to answer the question. Do you know what I mean? The thing is, first of all, I think I have to recognise my own privilege within a group of people who might have mental illness or my mental illness, which is to say that I am a white, middle-class lady who has a diagnosis, a therapist, and a prescription. So that makes me... First of all, in a much better position, in a much happier position, and a much more fortunate position than a multitude of people. Second is to say that it's easier for me to own the word because I'm usually with a microphone in a position of power mm-hmm. making jokes, and I'm well. So that is perhaps easier for me than I also like to think really it is. Also, you're really hot. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Bullshit. But you know, like, it's just like, I do think so. I'm fortunate in that sense. But I would also say that I do think that is a word that has diminished me. Mm. And also, I associate with so much darkness Mm. that it is fun to grab it and throw it up in the air 
and hit it with a bat occasionally. But yeah, I do recognize that it has consequences when I do that, and perhaps I need to think about that a little bit more. Mm. And I, but I also think, you know, we have always been terrible. You're right, like mm. the English language is limited. I mean, the amount of, I used to study governmental limitations of sexual expression in the 1920s in Ireland, and because I had an awesome lecturer who let me do that. But like we, the words we used to use around this were always like nerves, and especially for women, you know, they always had their, suffered with their nerves. And I do think to an extent, yes, we are limited by the words we have. But I also think it does come back again. And I don't want to sound like Piers Morgan. Heaven forbid. <laughs> but I do think intent matters. That's not to say that intent can diminish or excuse any use of words. That's not what I mean to say. But rather that I think, you know, if you trip someone over... It does matter whether or not it was on purpose or by accident, mm-hmm. and we can learn from that. But I do think, mm-hmm. to a large degree, when people mean well in this context, am I giving a decisive answer? I'm not sure. What I'm saying is, <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying is, I have a mental illness. I have used the word mental for a long time. I probably do cast aspersions on people who don't or don't understand it. That's another thing. I feel like if you're having a conversation around these words, know what the illness you're talking about means. Make sure that when you're talking about OCD, I don't realize halfway through the conversation with you, you actually meant BDD or ADHD. I know there's a lot of acronyms, but like Google. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's part of the conversation. But also, yeah, maybe I'm still figuring that out. Is that okay? I think the difficulty comes when you see people with mental health issues as one cohesive group, not only because scientists are now saying that people are different, um, but, um, but also because, you know, the term mental health covers such a broad remit, like you would never have a physical health week. And if you did, people would assume that it was about physical fitness. You know, yeah. they wouldn't assume that you had to shoehorn every single illness that can possibly befall a person yeah. into that week. And that's part of the problem as well, I think, that, you know, people have vastly different experiences. It's a lot different having panic disorder to having OCD to having bipolar and, and all yeah. the various other things. Mm. Yeah. And that's kind of a big problem with mental health issues as well, that say somebody has mental health problems. There was an amazing article in The Guardian today about this. Did anybody else read it? That it's a guilty feminist audience. Of course they read it. <laughs> <laughs> They're just um, too modest to even say it. Because yeah. Maybe somebody else's turn to say it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just so need when to... we're all reading The Guardian today. <laughs> I, I just need to find it so that I'm quoting it right. So while I'm doing that, Jamie, how do you feel about the word queer? I was told this was a great umbrella word. It's not leaving anybody out. It's been reclaimed. And mm-hmm. someone wrote to me and said that word can feel hurtful because it was a slur in the playground and then some lesbians I was talking to on the show were saying well lesbian was the worst word in our playground but we can't not use it how do you feel about the word queer I think for all LGBT people living their lives authentically is an act of political resistance so I think by reclaiming words it gives us our power back now I'm just going to warn trigger warning for transphobic words but I get called tranny like on the daily like literally every single day. And I've only recently been like, I'm going to reclaim that and use it for myself. Mm. About myself in instances where it shouted at me like every single hour. So I'm like, I need to be able, and the community needs to be able to be able to take their own language back and use it as a powerful force. So queer in the past, you know, five, ten years has really kind of come back to us. And like you say, it's an embodiment of everything. It's one of those words that is very vague, but in the best way. It's one of those words that's like, I'm queer and you don't need to know what I am. 
I need to know and the person I'm sleeping with needs to know mm -hmm. and the people I care about need to know and that's it. And that's what I love about it because it has that kind of anonymity about it but you can still have that really strong sense of community with them. What do you wish people were more aware of about non-binary people? Although I've spoken about um, Fruitcake as a place where I want it to be light-hearted, mm -hmm. for me what's affecting my mental health and a lot of non-binary people's mental health is the kind of behind the scenes of public street harassment that goes on that is not seen as legitimate violence. I've been to the police countless times to report things being thrown at me. Literally yesterday I had the police called and I was enjoying a delicious oat milk coffee, going back to the vegan chat, um, <laughs> because a group of youths were like banging on the window calling me a, a fucking tranny. And I had to apologise. You know, the people in the shop were not aware of what was happening. I think they thought that Annie Lennox had made a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> Sat in the window trying to get some PR. Um, <laughs> like, hi. Um, you know, and it's instances like that where I was, like, I, was, I was with a friend and we were just like, what the fuck is happening? And it's the street harassment. You know, people will, will come up to me on the street and be like, you look fucking amazing. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Lovely, thank you. But like... Don't just come for me when you think I look grey. Yeah. Be there for me when people are shouting at me. Do you know what I mean? I'm a strong bitch, I can deal with it. But, you know, we need your support because it affects mental health, you know. I Is mean, that why fruitcake's called fruitcake? Because it evokes yeah. the sort of, the it's a, pejorative word fruit meaning gay and yeah. fruitcake as sort of jocular or colloquial yeah. word for mental it's illness. It's a slur from my childhood that I was constantly called as a child. So I, you know, reclaimed it and put it, I was going to call it Nancy Boy, um, which I have emblazoned on the back of quite a lot of my clothing. Um, Sounds like a Bowie track. I know, literally. <laughs> I, I just love being... You've got a touch of the Bowies about you, though. Thank you very much. Yeah, I... You... Oh, that's the best compliment ever. Thank you. <laughs> it's certainly better than you sounding like Piers Morgan. I'm so sorry. Right, can I just say... Right. <laughs> Yeah. If we've learned anything from this podcast is that there's the one pejorative term you should never use on anyone is you sound a little bit like Piers Morgan. Correct. I'm so sorry. I take it back. Trigger warning. Thank, 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 thank you. Trigger yeah. warning. Piers Morgan is being yeah. <laughs> Piers Morgan is being used. Natasha, what would you to sum mm. up? What would you like us to be more aware of? And what could you give our listeners an action, something we could do? Mm. And is there anything of yours you'd like us to look at, any material of yours you'd like us to look at? Well, language is one of the easiest things to change, even though it takes repetition and sometimes you're going to fuck it up. It's one of the easiest things to change. And it informs not only our kind of social narratives, but also our internal narratives. So it's incredibly important. One thing that I would like people to not say is uh, one in four people has got mental health. <laughs> because firstly, we've all got a brain, which means we've all got mental health. It's an inaccurate statistic that makes it look like it's only relevant to a quarter of the population. And in fact, that's kind of what my book was predicated on. And uh, if you would like to look at my book, it's called A Beginner's Guide to Being Mental, an A to Z from Anxiety to Zero Fucks Given. Yes. <laughs> can we buy that tonight? Have you brought any along? I have. Oh, brilliant. So we can buy it in the foyer? Yeah. Will you sign it? Of course. Lovely. Yes. Super. Jamie... What would you like us to be aware of? Just to be aware of your eyes. Staring hurts. You know, going back to street harassment, like, staring is really intense because it's, again, 
you can't go to the police and be like, Judith was staring at me. <laughs> because they'd be like, yeah, because you look like you do. And I'm like, okay. You know, just, and also with children, tell your children to stop staring or educate your children. What I always say to parents, because I've started stopping people and being like, you know, let's break this down. And they're like, oh, it's because you look like you do. And I'm like, use this opportunity to talk to your children. You don't have to go into the, you know, depths of queer history, but just like, be like, Jamie's doing could. what Jamie wants to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just be like, embrace that. Fruitcake was something that I started during university and then prolonged it throughout. So I've just had the first issue and um, actually won recognition from ASOS as a young emerging communications talent which, um, thank you so much. Still yet to receive my discount, <laughs> but I'll let it slide. The first issue has, has been amazing. Submissions have just opened for the second issues. So if you go to the Fruitcake Magazine Instagram, there's all the, I'm doing an, the issue on relationships. So relationships with absolutely everything. Um, and I really wanted to make it print because print's dying and I want to create something that's, you know, memorable and you can flip back to it at different points in your life and be like oh I need this now I didn't think I needed this you know a couple of years ago but I need this now Corey Shaw how can we help you uh you can help me by spreading the look up message it looks like it's actually going to happen in London now more and more people are saying that they are going to look up they're going to be aware of people that might need a seat and it doesn't have to be a disabled person it might be someone that is very pregnant very hot it might be someone that's having a bad day and having a cry and just needs to sit down just look up and be aware of who's around you if you want to do something practical we do have a petition on change.org so if you go into change.org and search look up tfl you will find the petition if you could sign that that's also going to chris grayling as well as tfl uh, Chris Grayling has declined to support uh, oh, the campaign. What? Because... Is Chris Grayling the worst person in the world he, other than Trump and Mugabe and, Piers, and Sarah uh, Huckabee yeah, yeah. and Piers Morgan? <laughs> Morgan. He's, in a, he's in a special band. He is in a really special band. His response was, uh, well, for TFL, you've written to the mayor, so yeah, get on to him. And nationally, I don't run the... Ra- it, literally, he then said it in the news about two days later, I don't run the railways... Uh, so we can't enforce it. You can't force it. You can encourage yeah, it. And you, you can, can encourage. You can yeah. have the conversations yeah. to get it happening. But yeah, I got a, a direct decline from him. So yeah, if you. Want I to, hope both his legs fall off. I, no yeah, you should him message him directly and tell him you hope his legs fall off. <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> such a bad person. He's so fucking privileged. What? He's not going to just be like, yeah, hashtag look up. Yeah, Sorry, no, I did one nice thing in my life before I died. There's no, there's, no PR, <laughs> there's no PR downside. It's like, this is a slam dunk for politicians. Help the disabled yeah, people. That's a nice thing. Too, he's too <laughs> busy stroking his white cat and thinking up <laughs> evil things that can happen. Catherine Bohart, what would you like to plug? Remembering it's a can different I show. Can I second the staring? I'm not saying, like, look away. If you see queer people, don't look at them, children. But I do just want to, like, there's so many... And people are well-intentioned sometimes. Like, people stare because I'm with my girlfriend. But they'll also stare, like, long enough in the hopes that they'll get the chance to do the we accept you not. <laughs> and I'm like, babe, that's cool, thanks so much, but I just want to have dinner. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's... It's sometimes it'd be nice just to not... Um, mm. So, yeah, there's a fine balance. I'm not saying lots so of So there's the Guardian nod, which is, we're very liberal, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been we're s- in the bubble. I've been staring at you all dinner just so I could say, I know a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> 
totally fine with it. Cool, but like you made starters weird, do you know? If, if you could just save your stairs for the disabled people that need your seats yes. rather than... <laughs> Swap a stair week. I've written, I've written a book. It's called The Guilty Feminist, and it's chapters about how we can better include ourselves in the world, how we can take up space, uh, how we can be better activists, the power of yes, the power of no, that kind of thing. So look, uh, some of the stuff that I've said before on the podcast that people have said, could you write that down, please? It's mostly new stuff. That's so, just reminded me, as a long-term fan of this podcast, mm. I'm desperate to do my I Am A Feminist But. Oh, yes. 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 Can I do it? Yes. I Am A Feminist But? Yes. Right. Yes. I'm a feminist but sometimes before I weigh myself, I flop my boob on the kitchen scale. <laughs> And then times the weight by two, and then take it off my total weight nice. because boobs don't count. Yeah. That is a good technique. Oh, okay. That is a phenomenal technique. That is a phenomenal technique. Jamie, do you have an I'm a feminist but? I do. I'm a feminist but this week when I was told that I was going to be going to a, another panel talk with all feminists, my first thought was, who the fuck's going to pay the bill? <laughs> Are we going to split it? Are we going to be stubborn? Because one, the, the head of this group is a man. So I was just like... <laughs> <laughs> and I had to also explain to this man that I wasn't a woman, which is great. <laughs> it's just like, surprise! <laughs> but yeah. Corrie, do you have an I'm a feminist but? I do. Mine's quite a happy one. I'm a feminist but my ex-husband is walking me down the aisle to give me away to my new husband. Oh! <laughs> Patriarchy, really! Pass the baton! I'm a happy possession. Yeah. Um, uh, where is our charity of the week? Yay! Hi! Hello. Hello. Um, my name's Alison Keeley. I am CEO of a charity called Link Able. We provide recreational and social activities for children and adults with learning disabilities. So we do things like uh, we have a nightclub five times a year that is for over 18s with learning disability. We get two and th between two and 300 people there. The DJs are, all have a learning disability as well. The bar is open. It's a very kind of vibrant evening. Over the summer, we'll be running holiday camps for children with learning disabilities who, if they approached another provider, who is more mainstream, wouldn't, probably wouldn't be able to attend. We are based in Woking and we cover Southern Heath, so we're a very small geographical area, but um, we, sort of, we know we have other charities locally that provide similar services for people in other areas. Wonderful. Yes. Well, if you've come here tonight... How do we help? If you've, uh, keep the mic for a second. Um, if you've come here tonight, you've paid for your ticket, there is absolutely no obligation, but if you could put something in one of the uh, collection tins on the way out, it would be much appreciated. If you're listening at home, you do not pay for this podcast, so if you could chip in something online at... Either Just Giving or um, Virgin Money Giving, we're on both of those, it's Linkable. We're also looking for trustees, so if anybody's in the Woking area and is interested in becoming a trustee of a fantastic charity... And it's Link what? Linkable. So Linkable. All, all one word, Linkable. Linkable, Just Giving... Give it home if you can. Thank you so much. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Catherine Bohart, and our very
very special guests, Harry Shaw, Jamie Wingust, and Natasha Devon. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The music was by Mark Couch. The producer was Tom Solitsky for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Jacob, Sally, and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit GuiltyFeminist.com. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century... As... <laughs> you, you know what, Tom? I nailed it last time. Use that one. Okay. Uh... Hi, it's Tom. It's Jess. And John. From the Best Pick podcast. We're just dropping in to let you know that we're doing another live recording. On Sunday the 15th of September at 12 noon, we'll be watching Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. Please come along and watch it with us, and we would love to hear your questions and comments afterwards. It won't be just us on the mic, it'll be you too. And you get to watch the movie with us uh, during the course of the show. Book your tickets now by going to kingsplace.co.uk. We'll see you there. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.